But I'm, I'm just you know, privileged to uh, be able to preach today. And, you know, we've had a great journey through the book of Ephesians. And maybe that's a good way to end it, having someone else besides Ryan ending this. Because that allows us to say thank you to Ryan. Because, Ryan, this has been a tremendous uh, journey that you've taken us on through this book of Ephesians. Yeah, I, I heard a little clap. But, yeah. Um, Ryan, you've, you've opened my mind to the gospel in a, in a new way, and I really thank you for that. I'm excited to think what God has in store for us here at South. Um, you know, as I, as I think of um, just this, these last few verses in Ephesians, I'm just going to call it, pray for me too. Um, and, and Paul comes out with this request, pray for me too. Um, but when we were back in the tech booth, before we were coming up here, we had a little bit of time of prayer. And Aaron led us in prayer for our worship service. And, and Aaron just said, Lord, I am so astounded at your good news, at the gospel, and the impact, the, the, the way it touches us so deeply and the transformation it brings into our lives. I'm astounded at that. Thank you. Thank you, God. He, just, he was just praying that. Um, and as I was, I was reflecting on these verses, as I was listening to what uh, Ryan's been teaching, what Aaron was praying, you know, it just hits me. The gospel really penetrates every aspect and area of our lives and brings transformation, including uh, some of the practical areas like prayer. And in this passage we're going to look at today, which is Ephesians chapter 6, if you've got your Bibles, uh, just open up to that. In Ephesians chapter 6, where Paul ends this book, um, he kind of ends it on this personal note. Hey, pray for me. Pray for me too. But I'm amazed at his perspective about prayer. Um, first of all, let's just read these verses uh, together. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. And this is going to be in the NIV version. So if you just read it together with me, let's do it all, all out loud together. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. And I've also uh, included another version. It's, it's one I like to use, the New Living Translation. Someone came up to me the other day and said, Oh, Dan, you use that pagan version. But this one just helps me understand so much better. Let me just read this one to you. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I'm in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for Him as I should. Pray for me too. Um, you know, as, as Ryan's been taking us through this book, and over and over, every week, we've been uh, hit with the theme of the gospel and how the gospel has so much that it has brought in and, and, and brought into our lives. Um, and we think of Paul and just the strength of the words that he wrote in this book of Ephesians. Sometimes we can get so wrapped up in our present day that we kind of forget the circumstances that this was written in and what when Paul says, pray for me too, you know, we, we forget the situation he was in. So let me just throw this picture up here. 
Um, and as, as Ryan has reminded us throughout this series, Paul was in jail, in prison. Um, it wasn't exactly the type of you know, imprisonment that we might normally think of being in some you know, cold stone prison. Uh, actually, he was allowed to purchase his own apartment, you might say, when he was taken to Rome. Um, and he was waiting for the opportunity to have an audience with the Caesar, with the emperor. He had asked uh, for that privilege. Um, in Acts chapter 28, the very last chapter of Acts, it says, When we arrived in Rome, Paul was permitted to have his own private lodging, although he was guarded by a soldier, 24-7. Um, you know, some people have speculated, I wonder when, how long a routine these soldiers had. Uh, someone who kind of has studied into that time said it was probably a three- to four-hour stint, and then another soldier would come and take his post. And if you can see that picture, it's not the greatest picture, but there's a chain that goes from the soldier's arm down to Paul's arm. And Paul was constantly chained to this soldier uh, who, was, who was keeping watch over him. And the reason that was to occur was because Paul had said, I want to have an audience with Caesar. So this was Caesar's special prisoner. And these guards were the ones, they were called the palace guards, the praetorian guards. They were in charge of making sure that no prisoner escaped. And so they were, he was chained to him. And if you look at that picture, also you see some chains hanging down from the wall. At times he was chained to the wall. Um, but he was in his own apartment. It doesn't look like the kind of apartment we would necessarily want. But uh, he was in his own apartment. And, and let me throw out this last verse of Acts 28. For the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. In other words, here Paul is a prisoner. Uh, here he is chained to a guard. Uh, he's, he's 24-7 like that. He, he's not allowed to go outside of this room, and yet he had to pay rent for this room. So he's having to cover all of these things. Um, and he comes out with this statement, and, and pray for me too. And I just wonder, wow, I wonder what my request would be if I were in Paul's situation, chained to this guard, um, I wonder what my request would be. You know, and you're in Rome, um, you're not allowed to go outside, you're really not allowed to see this amazing city, you're, you're stuck inside with a guard all the time. Um, I don't know what the food's like, but you've got to pay for your food. I can just imagine the prayer requests I would have. You know, hey guys, pray for me. Uh, pray for me and, and please, you know, it would be nice if Caesar would hurry up and, and call me. Uh, you know, and, and also, you know, pray about the money aspect because I don't know how long my money's going to last here and the food. You know, just lift up, lift up the food, would you? Um, you know, uh, Paul had some other verses that he included here. I'll just give, so you can have a little bit of a background about this man. Um, it, it, they're found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I know I sound like I'm a little mad here, but I have served God far more than you have. I've been worked harder. I've been put in prison more often. I've been whipped times without number. I faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I've faced dangers from rivers, from robbers. I've faced dangers from my own people, the Jews, 
as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced dangers in the cities and the deserts and the seas, and I faced dangers from men who claim to be believers, but they're really not. I've worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty. I have often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all that, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Wow, that's a lot. Um, you know, this week, it was a, it was a privilege. On, on Friday, we had a funeral for one of the folks who's been here for a long time, Harold Foster. And I remember Harold as a, as a quiet gentleman. But it was fun during that funeral to see the pictures of his life and realize everything that had unfolded in this man's life and how dynamic and how vibrant a life he had lived. You know, as I look at this picture, Paul's an old man. Now, during this imprisonment, this isn't when Paul was executed, not when we believe he was executed, but this was an imprisonment prior to that. Um, But he's still an old man. He's lived a pretty full life. I would think he could come up with a lot of strong prayer requests. You know, remember me. Here's what he asks. Pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly make known the mystery of God's good news. Wow. There's not even a mention of food. Or money. There's not a mention of anxiety or concern about waiting to talk to Caesar. Not that those things aren't legitimate things to, to pray about or to ask for help. But as I read this in the context of this book of Ephesians, I begin to get the realization and understanding that Paul is so immersed in the gospel that it changes his perspective of his circumstances. And, and here he is in jail, chained up to a soldier, and yet what's his first prayer request? Oh, I pray that God will give me the right words. Isn't that amazing? I find, you know, I, I always wrestle with my prayer requests. But I guess, you know, not to make myself sound way too old, but I'm kind of on the other side of life where I'm kind of sliding toward the end. You know, I guess I'll put it that way. Um, When I was doing Harold's funeral, I was really touched by, wow, he's there. He is there. And he is understanding. He's understanding the gospel in a full way now. He is so alive now. And, you know, as as that time gets a little bit closer and closer, I I start to look at life through those eyes. And I want to just challenge each and every one of you don't wait till you're on the downward side wouldn't it be nice it'd be terrific if right now you could realize wow god has made me eternally alive right now because of jesus christ my life is different and i may be walking through these circumstances that i do not understand but i know god does and he's got a purpose in me you know, I, I, I look at this request that, that Paul gives, that I would have the right words to speak. And I realize that, yeah, when he's sharing something, he's sharing a request that comes from realizing his life has a purpose far beyond what he's experiencing now. 
I know that many of us, many of us find ourselves in, in situations where, um, I'm just going to move this up. You know, I'm trying to catch on to technology, folks. I, I, love, I love watching Ryan with his iPad and everything. Um, as I'm scooting through here, I just want you to know, uh, when we were starting the, the service, when, when they, they were singing that new song, and, and Chris was up here with this newfangled camera, and he was taking pictures of this song. When he came by, I just kind of whispered to him and said, Hey, Chris, how'd that go? How'd the camera work? He said, You'll never believe it. The battery ran out. So he said, I had to finish it using my iPhone. Anyway, that's just an aside. Um, I want you to know that as Paul is, is asking for this, he's realizing that his life has a far greater purpose than, than just being concerned about being in this prison cell. In fact, later on, he writes a letter in the same, from the same prison cell, and he writes this. Um, Well, I'll come back to that. He writes this. I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. Everything that's happened in this prison cell, everything that's happened while I've been chained to this guard has helped to spread the good news. He's realized that his life has had a far greater purpose than just the circumstances of what he may want. And so I go to this little thing. When we pray from that aspect of the gospel, it enlarges our perspective on life. It enlarges our perspective on the circumstances in which we live. It gives us a deeper understanding, a deeper meaning of why we're going through what we're going through. Because we realize this life is not everything. There is far more that's coming as we approach the end to step into God's presence by what God has made available to us. It enlarges our perspective. When I go, uh, again, to look at what he's requesting, pray for me to ask God to give me the right words. There's two things I think about when I, when I think about that request. Give me the right words. And I wonder, okay, Paul, you're in jail. You're in this apartment. You're not allowed out. You're chained to a soldier. Who are you going to talk to? I mean, what kind of an audience do you have? You can't go out in the marketplace where you may have a hundred or a thousand people coming together and you can address them. Where are you going to get? I mean, what a request that I'd have the right words. And, and Ryan has, has done a great job in, you know, showing that he did have somewhat of a captive audience there. Uh, he'd always have a different soldier chained up next to him. So, so that would be part of that audience. Pray that I'll, I'll have the right words as I communicate to these guys that are here in and out throughout the day. Um, again, I go to that Philippians passage, and in the verse right after what I just read, it says this, for everyone here, including the whole palace guard, the whole praetorian guard, knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. Everyone here knows I'm in chains because of Christ. Um, but you know what he goes on to say then? There's more people. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here, most of the believers in Rome have gained confidence, have gained confidence. If I go to that passage and just read what the rest of that verse is, uh, most of the believers here have gained confidence, and now they're boldly speaking God's message without fear. Isn't that great? Um, and you may say, well, how did they come to Paul? Well, I, just to fill in a few of the details, I go back to Acts chapter 28. And this is what that verse is saying. For the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense, 
He welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. And no one tried to stop him. You get that last phrase? No one tried to stop him. Um, This would not be our best idea for how to spread the gospel. I mean, we could probably come up with a lot of other ways. And yet, look at God's idea. By Paul being chained up to these guards, he was able to spread the news through the whole palace guard. By Paul being chained up to this guard, people came to him instead of he going to them. And he was able to spread throughout all the believers in that territory, and they were filled with confidence. And what I love about that is that no one tried to stop him. And I have a feeling no one tried to stop him because he was chained to this guard. And even though that guard probably thought he was there to make sure Paul was not a problem, he really became a pacifying agent to allow Paul to speak. And if there was anybody who came in there and started to make a problem for Paul, I bet you this guard would say, uh, hey, that's off limits. This is, the, this is Caesar's prisoner. Don't mistreat him. But God had this thing all worked out. I, I love that. Give me the right words, God. Give me the right words. Um, you know, there's another audience, I think, that Paul is, is referring to um, when, he, when he says this about giving me the right words. And I would say that's, that's you and it's me. Because did it dawn on you, we're reading this actual letter that Paul wrote. And at the end he says, oh, and pray, pray that I'll have the right word. So I can boldly proclaim this mystery of the gospel. I have to admit, after reading this book of Ephesians and after studying it these last few months, I've got to say, he boldly proclaimed the gospel. And it was the right words for me. And I believe it's the right words for you. Ephesians. A little bit later, he wrote Philippians from this same room. A little bit later, he wrote the book of Colossians. And he wrote the book of Philemon from this same prison cell where he's chained to a guard. And each time, I believe God instructed him to write the right words. That down through the generations, through the years, Paul didn't even have an idea of how those words would be used. Yet here they are being used with us today. Um, What an answer to God's prayer. I'm sure Paul is praying from the aspect of his particular circumstance. Give me the right words for these guards, for these visitors, for this church. And God says, hey, I'm going to give you the right words for a lot more people than that. Isn't that exciting? When we're praying from the gospel. Um, The other thing that kind of strikes me, well, let me go on and show you a verse that, that Jesus used because Jesus kind of gave a, you know, a forewarning that this would happen. Uh, back in Luke, he's, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, there will be a time of great persecution. You're going to be dragged into synagogues, prisons. You will be accused before kings and governors of being my followers. This will be your opportunity to tell them about me. So don't worry about how to answer the charges against you for... I'm going to give you the right words. And such wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to reply. You know, a second implication that kind of hits me as I think of that request, give me the right words. 
this. I've got to be praying, Lord, give me the right ears to listen for the right word. Um, when, when I think of this good news of the gospel, when I think of that, oftentimes I think of different courses that I've taken, different seminars I've gone to, how to share your faith. And I'll tell you, I've learned a variety of ways to share my faith. And I find many times when I get together with a person and I have the opportunity to share about the gospel, I become very concerned about sharing the correct words. And sometimes my concern about sharing the correct words might get in the way of the words God really wants me to share. Now, I don't want to say I'm opposed to any of these seminars or anything like that. We all need them. We, we, we need to have some, you know, some handles that, that will just allow us to relax when we share the good news of Jesus Christ. But I think there is a danger when we rely on our formulas instead of softening our hearts before our God to listen to Him. Because to me, when, when Paul is saying, I'm going to give you the right words, when Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you the right words, He knows the people that He's speaking to through you. He knows what their life is like right then. And He knows what words are needed to communicate to them on their level, in their situation, and how the truth of the Gospel can minister most effectively. When, when we deepen ourselves in the Gospel itself, I believe that when we pray from the gospel, it frees me to listen better. And I'm not talking about listening to just other people. Yes, I think it does give me a concern for other people to listen to where they are. But I'm talking about listening to the Spirit's work within my life. As He leads me um, to be able to share in, um, in, in whatever direction He wants me to share about His gospel. Earlier in the book of Ephesians, Paul had, had challenged these Christians at Ephesus. And what he was challenging them with was that they would receive the insights that God would bring to them. Um, these verses from Ephesians chapter 1, I pray for you constantly, asking God to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. And I'm praying that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that He's given. Oh, and I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe Him. Um, he, Paul, is, Paul is praying there, saying, I'm, I'm, I'm praying that you would have these right words that you can share. And I'm praying that God will just fill you, fill you. The gospel changes us from the inside out. Pray for me. Pray for me in this prison cell, with this guard, with the visitors that come. But pray for me, asking God to give me the right words so I can boldly make known the mystery of God's good news. When I read those verses, that little section I've got in yellow, boldly make known the mystery of God's good news. I ask, you know what's so mysterious about this good news? Again, we, we get a little bit of a hint from Ephesians from what Ryan has been teaching us, if we go back to chapter 3, 
we read these simple words that Paul gives them. As I briefly wrote you earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe in the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. That's the mystery he's talking about. He's not talking about the good news being a mystery, although we certainly needed God's help to be able to understand His amazing grace that would come to this earth dressed as a human, live a pure life, become that sacrifice to be able to take sin once and all and sacrifice it for us and open up the way that we could then through His life come into a relationship with God. That's the good news. The mystery for Paul and the folks that he was ministering was this is for everybody. It's not just for his people, the Jews, but it's for Jews and Gentiles. Both are part of the same body. Both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I've been given the wonderful privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. And that's what frustrated a lot of people. That's why Paul is actually in a prison cell right now because the Jews didn't like the fact that this was for everybody. Um, Boy, when Jesus did this work, he didn't just do it for the Jews. He did it for all. And when the gospel penetrates our life, we begin to find, we begin to find that it encourages us to accept all people around us. It doesn't mean that everybody is in the kingdom of God. Yeah, they they have to surrender and believe that Jesus did this already, but everybody has the opportunity to be in the kingdom of God. And guess what? They don't have to look like us. Um, It doesn't depend upon a nationality. It, It doesn't depend upon their ethnicity. It doesn't depend upon their religious bias. You know, when I was wrestling with that one, I thought, should I say that one, God? Um... But yeah, it doesn't depend upon their religion. It depends on what they do with Jesus Christ. It doesn't depend upon the lifestyles they've chosen. Yeah, you know, I've, I've shared with you before. Um, and yeah, I, I've shared with you before how there were times early on in my ministry. I've had some folks come to me and... And they've really wanted to become a Christian. They've confessed to me that that they were in a homosexual lifestyle. And I remember saying to them, you know what? God wants to have you in in His family. Let's, Let's work on that homosexuality. And I realize now, ooh, how wrong could I have been? Jesus died for the homosexual. Yes, his word says some strong words about that lifestyle that they've chosen, but Jesus died for them. And he said, come into my family, come into my fa- you know, the life that I have for you. Allow the gospel to bring transformation. We need to stop trying to make people like us and our behaviors and instead bring people to Jesus and allow him to penetrate them and transform their lives. I, I look at... I look at Paul's prayer requests. And uh, I'm, I'm just touched by, with everything he's going through, all that he's experiencing, his prayer request for that church in Ephesus to lift him up to is pray that I'd have the right words. 
pray that I'd be able to share this mystery that, that the, the good news is for everyone. Pray that I'd have the right words to be able to share it with people so they'd begin to understand that. Pray, pray. Um, I want to ask someone to come up here because, you know, as we're talking about that, yeah, I, I'm kind of approaching this from, from the aspect of prayer in our life. But notice it's talking about how we, how we live out and how we speak out the gospel to people around us. Um, I had the privilege of being able to listen to Gwen Kane. Gwen, come on up here. I see you there in the corner. Um, and, and I've just asked Gwen if she could share with us an experience that she's had about, you know, sharing the good news, sharing it in a way to love and accept and respect who she's with, and really asking God to give her the right words. So, Gwen, you sure you don't want to sit? Okay. Well, as some of you know, I'm a chaplain at Sky Ridge Hospital. And as a chaplain, I feel like I have to have a fairly positive perspective when I go into a patient's room to be able to give them hope and encouragement because they're all usually suffering. So what has really summed up, a, a couple of verses that have really summed up my perspective on how I look at life or my outlook on life are Psalm 118.24. And that verse says, For this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And the second verse is Ephesians 2.10. That is, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he's prepared in advance for us to do. So I like to take the two verses that this is the day. He's got good works for me to do today. We're on an adventure. God, you're the tour guide. Let's go. So I do try to enter into each day that way. And I will just tell you a story recently where... He took me on quite an adventure. I went into a hospital room to visit a woman, and I would guess she was probably about mid-60s. And her daughter was there, and she was probably mid-30s. And so I did my spiritual assessment with, with her patient. And then so I started going down the road with hope and encouragement. And I spent about 45 minutes with this patient. And when I got done, I went out to the, the nurse's station. I was doing my paperwork. And then the daughter came out to me, and she said, this is what my mom needs right now. She needs hope and encouragement. Do you do home visits? I said, well, I probably could do a home visit. And so we exchanged information, and I began to pray about what God would have me share with this woman. I called the daughter a couple of days later, and I, um, it just so happened at the time I called the daughter that they were at the chur- a church making the arrangements for her mom's memorial service. So I knew that this woman's days were very short on this earth. So I just prayed and prayed, God, give me the words to share with this woman and her daughter. And so I prayed about it. I felt like God said, I want you to share the gospel with her. I said, okay. So I went through different verses I felt like he wanted me to share with her. And I went out to the, the woman's house, met with her and her daughter. And I just was exploring with them. I said, what does it feel like to know that you will be dying soon? And how does it feel to be preparing for your own memorial service? And what do you think happens when you die? And she was pretty uncertain about all of it. And I said, well, if I could give you the information that would guarantee that you will know where you're spending all eternity, would you want that? And she said, yeah. So I went through all the verses that I felt like God had given me to share with her, presented the gospel, and I said, would you like to know that Jesus Christ could be your Savior, that you will spend eternity with him forever? 
And she said, yes. Do I have to go somewhere? Do I have to talk to somebody? And I said, no, I, I will just lead you through a simple prayer. You say it after me. Say it from your heart. And it's a free gift from God. Well, at that point, the daughter got up and left the room. But I did pray through the prayer of salvation with the mom. And she did accept Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. And by the time I got done, she had tears coming down her eyes. And so we talked a little bit more. And then the daughter came back into the room. So we were talking a little bit about hymns because I'd taken my hymn book out there. And um, so the daughter said, I don't think I've ever seen all the words or heard all the words to How Great Thou Art. I said, I went up it. I said, you guys want to sing it? And the mother and the daughter said, I can't sing. I can't sing. I said, I can't sing either. But, you know, in Psalm 101, it says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. (laughs) So we all three proceeded to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And then we talked a little bit more. And I asked the mother, I said, how do you anticipate heaven? What do you expect heaven to be like? She said, well, my mother died recently, and I think she's going to be the one that's going to welcome me into heaven. And her name was Grace. And I said, well, that's a, a really sweet, a sweet thought. And then um, the daughter said, well, how about Amazing Grace? I don't think I've ever sung all those words or seen all those words either. So we opened the hymn book, and we make another joyful noise unto the Lord. And we came to the part that said, and Grace will lead me home. And to me, that was just so awesome. It so impacted the daughter, the mother, and me. And I thought, what a special gift for that brand-new believer that God would do that, that he is such a good God. So I left their house, and then on my way home, I was so excited about the mom, but my heart was so burdened for the daughter. And I thought, God, is there anything else I can do for that daughter? And as I was just praying about it, I knew that the woman was coming in every day for a procedure to be done. So I knew she would be at the hospital the next day, and I would be at the hospital the next day. And I felt, as I just prayed about it, I said, what do you want me to do, God? And he said, well, I want you to share this 50 days of hope. And so, you know, many of you in here did this two years ago when, when we did it as a church. And what it is, it has one verse on hope every day, and then it has a devotion or a small story on hope. So I said, okay, I'll do that. And then he said, and I want you to share your story with the daughter. And I said, okay, I'll do that too. So the next morning, I went down to the place in the hospital where the woman was having her procedure done. And I asked to speak with the daughter in the waiting room. And she came out. And I said, you know, I I really feel like God wants me to give this book to you on hope. And I explained what it was. And she said, okay. And then I gave her a couple of brochures from the hospital on losing someone close to you. And so she thanked me for that. And I said, one more thing. I feel like God really wants me to share my story with you. Can I do that? She said, sure. And um, I said, when I was 14 years old, my mom got MS. And for seven years, I watched her get sicker and sicker and waste away. When I was 21, I watched my mom die. So I said, I kind of understand where you're at right now. I've, I've walked that pretty much the same journey that you're walking right now. And I said, I look at you, and I don't think you're buying into this God and hope thing. She said, you're right, I'm not. She said, um, I believe in God. I am not a Christian. And I don't think he's a very loving God. And I said, well, you know, at 21, when that happened to me and my mom, I felt the same way. I said, in fact, I told God to shove it. I told him I didn't want anything to do with him. And I pretty much just walked away. I said, so where you're standing right now, I've been there before. I've walked that journey. And it was at that point that that daughter and I connected. Um, I can't say I don't know what's happened beyond that. I don't know that the mother's even still alive at this point. 
But what I'm praying is that that daughter will have looked through this book and picked out verses for her mom, and as she read them, that God would place seeds of hope in her heart. So that is what, that's kind of my story of that adventure. And if I could just challenge each one of you to take that adventure, like I did with Psalm 118.24 and Ephesians 2.10, each one of us, God has a plan for. He wants every one of us, every day, he gives us opportunities. I call them God-ordained appointments. To just look for those opportunities when he wants to use you. I'll tell you the adventure is exciting, it's wild, but I'll tell you it is so fulfilling when God uses you in a way like that. So anybody who's interested, it's on, it's on day 30 where I got the original idea about making an adventure every day with God. Thank you, Ryan. My goodness. And that's terrific. And did you hear the right words that God gave her? Yes, she had. Gwen had the opportunity to be able to share the good news with the mom. But she also had the opportunity to share something totally different with the daughter that was still the good news. It was the right words that that daughter needed to hear that connected with her. And I believe God's just planting seeds in that daughter's life and will continue to do so. Um, I look at Paul in that little jail cell. And I wonder what kind of you know, situations, circumstances you find yourself in today that seem to take all of your attention. And when it comes to sharing the requests that we may have in our lives that we want people to pray for, you know, it always seems to go back to that, to that circumstance. I wonder why God has that circumstance in your life and what He wants to do as a result of that. You know, when we look at things through the lens of His good news, it begins to transform our perspective about our circumstances that we're in. Uh, It begins to free us to be able to listen to His promptings within that circumstance. And I believe that, uh, yeah, and I'm forgetting that third point. Um, (laughs) What was it? The perspective... The listening, oh, and it helps us to love. It, it opens us to accept others that are around us. And that brings me to this last point. Praying from the gospel fills me more and more and more to be able to love. To be able to love. And I think it comes from this very last verse that we see in Ephesians. And I think when Paul wrote these words down, Generations ago, of course, he didn't see South today. He didn't see all the different churches that would be studying those words today. But God did. And as God's Spirit challenged Paul to write these words, yes, Paul's thinking of the the Christians in Ephesus, but God's thinking of the Christians right here. And I want you to take heart in that. This whole book of Ephesians, Somehow, in the greatness of who God is, He saw you and He said, I'm writing Ephesians just for you. I'm writing Philippians just for you. I'm writing Colossians for you. Wow. Kind of challenges me to want to get into those letters more and more. But it also challenges me just to end this series this way. And just say, 
peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters. And may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. May He be able to empower you with an amazing type of love for the world around you, but may He mix it with that faithfulness that stands and perseveres and endures. Each and every one of you, put your name in there. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. South, peace with you. Peace with you. And may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give this place called South a love that is faithful, that will endure, that will, that will spread throughout the community. And may God's grace be eternally upon South as we draw ourselves deeper and deeper into the good news of Jesus Christ and what He has for us. Let's bow our heads in prayer.